Greetings to all of you in the matchless name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Man, I trust you all had a blessed week, man. And uh, just wanted to remind you, to assure you, God is good, man. No matter what you're facing, God is good. Man, he's a good God. You will never find a God like this. You will never, you will never meet a God like this God. This kind of God, man, this kind of love. This kind of grace. Man. Hallelujah. Now, I, I want only the ones who, are, who have experienced God to respond this morning. Otherwise, I will be forcing you to lie. But if you have experienced the goodness of God, I want you to, yes, respond. Because I just said you, I just told you God is good and some of you are not really sure about it. Man. Maybe because you have not experienced God the way I have experienced God. Man. But I have experienced God in that manner. And I trust you all have and will continue to experience his goodness. Amen. Sharon is back with us after two weeks. The, you know, she can testify that the Lord has been good, even through an unexpected turn of events that we were all, um, that we were all aware of and we were all part of. But God has been good to them. Amen. No amens for that. Amen. You can go and talk to her and she will tell you how good God has been. You know, we, we were just catching up with her and her family and they could all testify the goodness of God. Amen. The, the passing of our dear man of God, dear precious servant of God, whom we only had a short time of, the privilege of knowing him for a short time, but was such an amazing man of God. Um, yes, we... We understand the loss, we understand the, the passing, but we also know that it is gain for him. Amen. He has gained Christ. Amen. He has gained. Hallelujah. And I just want to thank, before I get into the word, I just want to thank everyone. Uh, on behalf of uh, Sharon and her family, I want to thank everyone who came, uh, especially for the prayer and uh, worship time that we had on Monday. Uh, now that you will hear from her. How much of a blessing it was for them. It was a comfort for them. Uh, they could really sense the atmosphere shifting. And uh, there was comfort. There was joy. There was hope. Uh, a little time that we came together in worship. It was a simple time. Just a few of us gathered together. But God was ministering to them. And they could really sense how God shifted things for them from, from that point of time. Uh, I'm saying this on behalf of Sharon and her family. Uh, because I got to know it from them how much your presence and your prayers were appreciated by them, how much they were blessed by all of that. Uh, uh, and they truly appreciate your love. Maybe in the following weeks, uh, you know, when she's up to it, she will testify. Okay, today I'm not going to put her into that, but I'm representing her and her family. Um, they truly appreciate all that you've done, your presence, your prayers, you coming there. Um, and I want to especially acknowledge, I'm not going to mention names, but I especially acknowledge a few of you who, um, who even volunteered to help uh, with regards to the arrangements. And it, was, it definitely made a huge difference and it was a blessing. So I want to appreciate all of you who turned up for the prayer meeting, for the funeral service, and in different ways you, you, you were a support to them, you prayed for them. Uh, so, on behalf of the family, I want to thank you. Um, yes, amen, can acknowledge that. Hallelujah. Continue to keep them in prayer as a family. God is about to do something new for them. So, last week we looked at uh, a new word. We were considering the life of uh, and the ministry of this precious servant of God who passed. Um, and his last message to our church, which is very relevant, which is very significant. In fact, it was celebrated. It was celebrated. His last message was celebrated. It was a source of comfort to them. Um, and we were privileged. And we considered Catalambano and all that was ministered. And I shared you the, the video link and uh, you would know how, like I said, he was pouring out um, from what you've received from God. And uh, last week looked at Epilambanomai. Man, something in connection to this, uh, we read from 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called 
and you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses hallelujah we were we were reflecting on this this is scripture that god god pressed upon our hearts even as we were kind of shocked and saddened um by pastor vijay's passing but god gave us the assurance by the spirit he he put the scripture to us it was confirmed uh, remember last week uh, sister elsa opened an exhortation and she mentioned the scripture and then you know later it was confirmed that even when i ministered the same scripture was uh, you know touched upon and we expounded on it a little bit um you must know that this particular letter that is the epistles to timothy and even the epistle to titus are known as the pastoral letters you know you are aware of it i believe the pastoral epistles or the pastoral letters um these books have so much of similarity because it was written by paul to the ones that he was raising up in ministry to the ones that he was raising up in especially pastoral ministry timothy and titus were his spiritual sons whom he was raising up um and these letters have so much in common because of that it 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 contains um instructions and deal with issues which require pastoral oversight so to speak uh i encourage you to study these books these letters uh it gives you a lot of insight into uh the heart of god the father heart of god because it deals with the father heart of god it it deals with the shepherd's heart and how the shepherd must be prepared and how the shepherd must function and uh, in first timothy paul instructs timothy to fight the good fight the scripture that we just read fight the good fight and take hold of eternal life to which you were called so paul by the authority of the spirit is instructing his uh, disciple his follower to fight the good fight of faith timothy have a fight to fight it's a good fight not the fight of flesh and blood not you don't get distracted with other fights don't get distracted by anything else but you have a good fight to fight fight the good fight of faith and take hold of eternal life to which you were called bring things to perspective to this young person who was being mentored by him and in second timothy the language is slightly distinct it's slightly different it's like a continuation of what he ministered to him earlier in the first letter and it is believed uh, you know in fact historically it is believed that the second epistle to timothy was written towards the end of paul's life and ministry um you know it is said that uh, uh this is probably the last known writing of paul this is the last known writing by paul and it was written when he was uh, you know going through the second imprison- imprisonment he was in the confines of the roman prison when he wrote this letter to timothy you can find that out when you read through the the epistle you can re- you can understand the language from the language it was written from the prison it was written at a time when nobody was with him it was all by himself it was the fag end of his ministry the end of his ministry and the the language is different you know you can you can sense uh, that he was feeling the rejection and the loneliness but his words were never bitter you can you can you can gather that when you read the the second letter you can read that he 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 was feeling the rejection he was feeling that he was all by himself he knew he knew that he was all by himself but he was not bitter he was he was still continuing on with the the remaining days that was entrusted to him by god to fulfill his call to fulfill his ministry you know and you know just for you to get a little bit of context uh, the believers in asia uh, had stopped supporting or verbally supporting and even in other ways supporting paul for fear of their own lives because he had been now imprisoned for the second time he gave his defense and all but he was imprisoned imprisoned for a second time and he lets timothy know from the prison he's writing writing this letter to timothy and lets him know that he's all by himself there's nobody with him that nobody stood with him during his defense he made a defense and nobody stood with him during that defense and that all forsook him in such a context paul writes the second letter to timothy and i want to read from second timothy chapter 4 verses 6 down to 18 remember paul's instruction to timothy in the first letter was fight the good fight of faith and lay hold of eternal life to which you were called and then in the second letter contrastingly he communicates something else in connection to the same thing 
for i am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand i have fought the good fight amen the instruction in the first letter was you fight the good fight and now now by the spirit is saying i have fought the good fight i have finished the race and i have kept the faith and finally there is laid upon me laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the lord the righteous judge will give me on that day and not to me only but also to all who have loved his appearing i believe paul was reminding timothy of the instruction not just reminding him not just repeating what he said not just saying fight the good fight one more time it's like you know sometimes you go to class and the teacher keeps repeating things but this class was different this letter was different this lesson was different now he is pointing to himself and saying remember i told you to fight the good fight and i'll show you how look at me remember what i told you about the good fight of faith of faith now you can look at my example you can look at my example see how i did it consider my life consider what i am suffering consider what i am enduring consider where i am at consider the the facets of my life right now and see this is the good fight of faith which i fought and i, I leave you leave that to you as an example for you to emulate the same person who said imitate me as i imitate christ now everything that paul did was an imitation of christ he was he, his life was about sorry his life was about striving to be an exact replica of christ he wanted to imitate christ so much and he had such confidence about what he is doing and he said imitate me how can anybody say that imitate me what's the level of confidence he said imitate me why because i imitate christ and paul was basically telling timothy now it's your turn your turn young man young man you're graduating in this class that i'm in this training program that you are in with me now you're graduating it's your turn now fight the good fight of faith amen like how i did it because i fought the good fight i finished the race i kept the faith can't say confidence confidence and you know, we must be able at one point of our life we must be able to look back and say yes i fight i fought the good fight of faith we must be able to say we must be able to declare i finished my race it can be in rapture i i hope we all will be till there you know be there till that point of time that we'll all be caught up with him but we must be able to have the conviction yes i fought the good fight of faith i have finished my race i've kept the faith now we were considering the letter to the philadelphian church in revelation chapter 3 hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown hold fast say hold fast turn to your neighbor and say hold fast in second timothy paul is sure and certain that he is going to get that crown in second timothy paul is sure that he is going to get that crown when you start the race you might, you are just aiming for the crown but you are when you are finishing the race you know that you are i don't know whether anybody had ever in your life maybe in school days i had the privilege of having this experience once just once okay i have to be honest okay just once i remember running the the last lap of a relay race the last the very last race i ran in school and i was doing the last and it's a, it's a, any athlete's dream to just touch the ribbon first and run with the ribbon i also had that dream and i was not the fastest in in my school i was yeah i i i was into sports i loved sports and i always had that uh, interest and that desire so we had this this last relay race and we had to win Midu and we were we both were team captains by the way and we had to win if we lose this relay race then we are gone we will not win the championship this is the last ride we have to the last race and i am doing the anchor lap the last lap and there is that feeling when you when you turn that that the final bend and you enter that last stretch and your eyes are on the finish line your eyes 
you're focused on the finish line and all that you want you don't know where your energy is coming from you know you don't know where your strength is coming from but you want to win you want to win you just want to make it to the finish line before anybody else does and you're only focused on that and that feeling when you touch the ribbon and i i still remember, it's a beautiful feeling when you get to run with the ribbon you only see it in 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 um, what do you call in uh, videos of how these famous athletes and all they touch the ribbon and they run with the ribbon i don't know but they do it now now it's all photo finish but once upon a time it used to be the ribbon and now paul is saying i have now finished he is so sure he's he's at the finishing line now but when he started he 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 only wanted to be there but now that he's there he knows he's going to touch it now a few more strides and he's going to make it he's he's got no doubt about it and he says i am going to get that crown i'm going to get that crown what i want to lay hold of, i want to lay hold of eternity i'm going to get that i'm going to get that crown which is not just for me but for everyone who loved his appearing on that day if we all are going to get crown if we love his appearing that is hallelujah say crown say crown say crown the bible talks about crowns the bible talks about crowns in fact we had a discussion shila mama was and asking me about the different crowns in the bible it's amazing to do a study on the crowns because sometimes i wonder what are we living for in this life what is our focus what is our focus are we mindful of the crowns that await us paul was he, he always talked about it and at the end of his life also at the at the end of his ministry also he said i'm going to get the crown I'm going to get the crown. Just a few more strides, I'm going to get the crown. I finished the race, he said. I finished the race. No, 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 just look at this. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. That's the instruction to the Philadelphian church. Hold fast what you have so that no one may take your crown. When, when do you tell? Can you, Kathy, can you just come? I want to just... just um, what is there to illustrate with come just come just come here i just want your help for a minute okay just for the can you hold this for me what is this beskita appas appas beskita you know how much i treasure this right you can hold it with both hands hold fast will you hold fast will you drop it no why because it is appa's because it is appa's and it is is it precious to appa yes that's why hold you hold it tight yeah yeah is it precious to you yes it is precious to you yes you're sure so now okay go back thank you so much just uh, just appreciate her so so she told us when i give her the bass guitar which is precious to me something that i cherish something that i love and it is precious to her because it is precious to her father and she is not going to let go of it she is going to hold fast she will not just you know drag it on the floor she will she will not drop it uh, you know it's looking at something else she will not drop it so that's why the instruction is to hold fast hold fast you know when i when i give uh, you know a responsibility to my children especially with regards to holding something delicate or precious you know you should see how they respond they are like are you sure about this you know and they are they dread it at the same time they know it's precious to me and they have they have so much of uh, uh attention to it they give so much of attention to it they don't want to break my heart so that's why the instruction is hold fast what you have what you have is precious to god and it must be precious to you you must hold fast so that no one may take away your crown you have a crown it is precious to god it must be precious to you as well are you with me just like how she held the bass guitar it's heavy for her by the way it's heavy this is the heaviest instrument here okay the montage is there but otherwise the heaviest Okay, it's not easy to play the bass. It's quite heavy, I'm telling you. And she was holding on to it for dear life because it can potentially slip. 
and fall down and break maybe. But she knows that her father told her, hold fast. This is precious to me. So it must be precious to her also. Hold fast. The instruction of holding fast is relevant when you're holding to something which is very precious. That's the only time it is relevant. Otherwise, what's, what's the use? If I'm, if I'm giving a, a, a piece of paper, something that is of no value, uh, let's say something uh, uh, litter, some, somebody littered on the floor. I will not give it to Kathy and say, can you hold fast to this? I will not tell her. I'll just say, go drop it in the bin. Are you with me? But when something is precious to me and I entrust her who is barely capable of handling it, I will tell her, hold fast. You don't quite know the value of this, but understand it is precious to me. Hold fast what you have. So it is relevant. See, that instruction is relevant to the church. Hold fast. Hold fast. Why? Because it is something precious. Your faith is precious to God. Your crowns are precious to God. Eternal life is precious to God. It cost him the, son, the life of his son. Amen. The blood of Jesus Christ. It is precious to God. You, you tell hold fast when it is precious too. You stay, say hold fast to something when there is even the slightest possibility of that precious thing slipping out of, of your hands and it must be avoided at any cost. That's when you say hold fast. There's a possibility it can slip out. It can slip out, but hold fast. It must be avoided. The slipping out of your hand must be avoided. Are you with me? Are you with me? So Paul is telling Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life to which you were called. Good instruction. And then another lesson comes and say, I have fought the good fight of faith. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Meaning, do likewise. I've shown you how. I've shown you how. And in this Christian walk, there are things that you must fight for. I'll allow that to settle. In this Christian life that you are in, there are things that you must fight for. That's called the good fight. Amen. You must contend earnestly for your faith. The Bible says, contend earnestly for your faith. There are things that you must lay hold of. Do you know that? In this Christian life, there are things that you must lay hold of. I'm, I'm only trying to help you. Okay? Help you release the pressure. Help you release the, the distraction. Help you get rid of every distraction. Because I wanted to bring to that perspective that there are things which are important to God and there are things which are trivial in His sight. Amen. The problem is we are after the trivial things. God is not interested in those things. The temporal things does not matter to God at all. But things which cannot be replaced, those things you must pay attention. So in this Christian life, there are things that you must fight for. There are things that you must lay hold of. There are things you must hold fast to. There are things you must not deny. Do not deny my name. There are things that you must keep till the end. Keep the faith. Amen. Keep the faith. Keep the word. Till the end. Keep the word. Keep the faith. There are things that are so precious and important to God all the way of your life. Not just for the initial days of your salvation. No. All the days. In fact, when you grow in maturity in your Christian life, you will understand the value of these things more. More. Those things are more important to you than when you started off. I hope you have come to that place where things that you received at your salvation are more important to you than it was at first. Intimacy with God. It was so precious to you. When you started off, first love. First love, you could experience the excitement, the wonder of it, the awe of it. It was so precious to you. Worship was so precious to you. You will never miss a minute of worship. You will never miss a day in church. You will be the first person in church and the last person to leave the church. You will run for every fellowship time. You will run to every Bible study. You will run for everything that there is to know God more. When you started off. As you approach the, the fag end of your life, where are you now? Where are you now? Have you loosened your focus? Have you shifted your focus? Is your grip 
over those things that God wanted you to lay hold of or hold fast to you. Is the grip loosened now by any chance? No, we get so easily distracted. No, we, we don't understand. So, so there are things that are important. No, you, would, you don't want to miss a word, a syllable when God speaks to you. You don't want to miss out on anything. It is so important to you at one point of time. What about now? What about now? Your prayer, your prayer time was so precious to you. You wouldn't trade that for anything else. You wouldn't trade that for anything else. You will spend hours in prayer. You will spend time in prayer. You wouldn't even know the time is passing. That is how it was for you. What about now? You were the first person who would jump to your feet when, when the, the call was given for, do you want to serve? And you will jump up. What about now? Do, do you evade opportunities? Are you the person who's evading opportunity, opportunities to serve God? God told me something which shook me to the core just recently. He said, for some of us here, what we have right now will be the last opportunity to serve God or serve church in this manner. You may not never, you will never get this opportunity in this manner. So don't despise it. Are you getting what, I, what, you're, what I'm saying? Are you getting what I'm saying? Are you getting what I'm saying? You might not get this kind of opportunity, this kind of access to serving God. But how lightly do we take all this? Is it precious unto us? But look at Paul. Paul was so consistent. Say consistent. Say consistent. You know, one thing that we must, we must, we must, we must learn in a Christian walk is, what is that? Say consistency. Consistency. You must learn to be consistent. You must. There's nothing more important than consistency in the kingdom. There are things that you must love and cherish consistently. There are things that you must attain to and focus on attaining. The Holy Spirit has been echoing this word in my heart for some time now. Consistency. 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 When, when the going gets tough, be consistent. When the going gets tough, be consistent. When it is very difficult to do the things that you are doing, be con stay consistent. Stay consistent. Stay consistent. In prison, stay consistent. Outside the prison, you were in a certain manner. You worked in a certain manner. You ministered in a certain manner. In prison, do you, do you change? No, you don't change. You are consistent. You're consistent. Seasons have changed, but you are consistent. Because your knowledge of God is consistent. You're holding fast consistently. You're pursuing things consistently. You're looking at things consistently. Say consistence. Say consistence. Say loudly consistence. Say consistence. Say I want to be consistent in my walk. You must desire this. No, we cannot afford to be inconsistent from this point on. We are in such a time where consistency matters the most. In fact, you will be alarmed by how inconsistent many Christians behave from now on or at this point of time. You will see that. You will be alarmed by the inconsistency of Christians. And you must not be in that place. God does not want a Christian to be inconsistent when it comes to his faith. You must be steadfast, sure, steady. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, I was like this many years back. So what? How are you now? That's what matters. That's what matters. Paul, Paul can say, I, I started very strong. I was, I was on fire. I, I, I led many Gentiles to faith. I planted many churches. Where are you now? I'm in prison. What are you doing now? I'm still doing the same thing. I'm still doing the same thing. I'm reaching out. I'm reaching out. In, in Philippians chapter 3, let's go to Philippians chapter 3. We considered the word catalambano, which was Pastor Vijay's last session to us. The instruction is to forget what lies behind. You all know that. Forgetting what lies behind. Let's, let's go there. 3 chapter 12. Philippians 3 and, sorry, verse 12. Chapter 3 and verse 12. You there? Okay. Not that I've already obtained it. Okay, now this is an earlier writing. So he's saying, not that I've already obtained it or have already become perfect, meaning I've not perfected it. 
But I press on. Say press on. Press on. He does, he does not just say I just press and quit. No. I press on. Say on. Say continually. I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. That's the word catalambano. I want to press on so that I can catalambano the things for which Christ has laid hold of me. Brethren, I, don't, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. You know, some of us are living like we have laid hold of it. But Paul, in the prime of his ministry, in the prime of his walk with Jesus, he said, I have not, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, I forget what lies behind. Forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He does not say for, the, for, a better minister, for a better business prospect. He did not say for a better paycheck. He, does not, he did not say that I, I press on to, a, to go to a, a different, a better location. No, he said I want to press on. For, to what? For the, toward the goal for the price of the upward call of God. His pressing on is not like this. His pressing on was like this. Toward God. Toward God. How are you pressing on in life? How are you pressing on in life? Are you pressing on latitudinally? Are you pressing on from one point to the other? Or are you pressing on upwardly? Upwardly. I press on. Forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the price of the upward. It's like this. He's pressing on but the direction is upward. Is upward. Forgetting what lies behind. He's pressing forward but it is upward. Toward the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore as many as are perfect have this attitude. If And if anything you have a different attitude. God will reveal that also to you. If you think so highly of yourself, God will reveal that to you. Simple. You think so highly about you, God will reveal that to you. So don't have that attitude. You might be perfect, but God wants you to know there are things that you have to still pursue, pursue on to. However, let us keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. We have attained a, same, a certain standard. Don't lose the standard. Say consistence. Say, I want to live consistently. Don't lose the consistency of living by the standard to which God has called you. See, gospel is a call to a standard of living. Many of us don't know that. The gospel is a call of God to a standard of living. You're not getting this. The gospel is the call of God to a different standard of living from that which we are used to. It's a higher standard. Say, higher standard. It's the highest standard. That's right. It's the highest standard. It's a different standard. It's not the standard of this world. The gospel is an invitation for man to partake of the life of God. Either you are acting ignorantly or you're not getting this. The gospel is the call of God to attain to the standard of God's life. For as many as they, they that received him, he gave them the privilege to be called what? The children of God. Not servants of God. Not, not friends of God. But the children of God. Amen. If you are children, you are heirs with Christ. You are co-heirs with Christ. Meaning you have the same privileges that Christ has. The same privileges to which Christ has attained is yours. That's the good fight of faith on this earth. That you, you maintain that standard. You're, you're consistent with that standard. You, however, let us keep living. Say living. By that same standard... To which we have attained. When? At your salvation. You have attained to a standard. Don't. Don't go back from that standard. 
don't retreat from that standard don't go and live on another standard live by the standard of god's word live by the standard of the gospel of christ it's a high standard is the upward call of god it's toward god it's the heart of god it's the life of god is the zoe life verse 17 brethren say brethren look at each other and say brethren loudly say brethren brethren join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us for many walk of whom i often told you and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of christ the cross of christ they walking some 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 manner some some disorderly fashion and 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 he is weeping about them why because now they have become enemies to the cross of christ but you must follow my example the confidence of this man you must follow my example look at me observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us if you see this pattern in others you follow them also but if you don't see this pattern in them don't follow them because some of them have become enemies to the, to the cross the cross of christ whose end is destruction whose god is their appetite and whose glory is in their shame who set their minds on earthly things so earthly things see that is the see that is the root to destruction if your mind is set on earthly things you are going after destruction because earthly things are doomed to to be destroyed you're not getting this earthly things are doomed to be destroyed it is not those things are temporal say temporal those elements will melt away the bible says so if your eyes are on earthly things then you are you are following a, a path which leads to destruction you must not go that direction you must not your eyes must be on eternal things say eternal things for our citizenship is in heaven oh today we will go to any any extent to get our citizenship in a, in a country of our choice but look at this we start with this we have started our christian journey with this assurance our citizenship is in heaven don't die for being to be a citizen of some nation under the sun you're going to be ruling if you live well you're going to be ruling some of those nations with christ if you don't know that you will be ruling some of those nations with christ amen if you live right that is for our citizenship is in heaven from which also we eagerly wait for a savior keep looking there because he's going to come from there our savior the lord christ who will transform the body of a humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself and now what is the hope that we carry what is the hope that you and i have he is going to use his power to to transform our earthly bodies and to, and to make it conform to that kind of a glorified body by the exertion of his power Now he he wrote it look at this he had a different language i have not yet obtained it or perfected it but i press on i press on he is focused on somehow taking it and keeping it shall you neighbor somehow take it and keep it yeah that's right say say it one more time say somehow take it and keep it maintain it tell your neighbor be consistent with all you love say be consistent be consistent take it keep it that's all that matters to him i just want to take it and keep it and for that he does one thing right this is what i do i forget what lies behind meaning he's saying i am not depending on my past experiences i forget that i forget that i've done this i've done that i forget all my accolades i forget all my credentials no that does not matter to me so don't get distracted don't get distracted don't don't go by the experience of the past 
See, if you, if you go by the experience of the past, you will get distracted. Now, if you've ever been part of, like I said, athletics, if you've ever been, if you ever run a race on a professional or even an amateur setting, if somebody has coached you, if somebody has coached you, one instruction, one instruction that your coach or whoever trained you up will tell you is, don't look back. When you're running a race, don't look back. Say, don't look back. Don't look back. Don't look back. It's a golden rule in race. Don't look back. Because if you look back, you can go off track. It's like this is the track. And you look back, you'll go somewhere else. Have you ever tried running? Forget running. Try walking with your eyes like this. You'll go and hit on something. Now, the race is so important. The instruction is don't look back. Don't go by your past experience. Don't go by the strength of yesterday. Don't go by what you've achieved yesterday. That is not going to help you. Don't look back. You must not look over your shoulder. You must not look over your shoulder. That's an instruction. Keep your eyes on the finish line. Keep your eyes on the finish line. You know, the, one of the, see, we were trained, especially for relay races. We had, we had a, a wonderful bunch of seniors who were so good in this. So we were trained for this and we, we will spend hours being, getting trained for relay races. And we were, you know, sometimes when I look, even, and this, is, this might sound like a, uh, really weird, but sometimes when I watch the Olympics and uh, world championships, the, the way they run relay races, I'm like, they don't know it. I mean, they don't know the basics of this. Because we've been trained like that, I'm telling you the truth, honestly. One of the instructions given to us is, when you're running a relay, don't look back. You just see from a distance, there's a certain point to which you can look at your, the one who's bringing the baton. After he crosses that certain a point that you've pegged in your mind, don't look back. The next thing for you to start running, say running. Stretch your hands out, fully. So that the, the, the transition of that baton can be so fluid. Say fluid. And then you pick up. You accelerate. And you, the moment you, the, the baton touches your hand, you're off. But if you turn, and today you see some professional teams, they do like this. Okay, give. No, that's wrong. You cannot look back. In a race, you cannot look back. When you're running a race, that's your vision. If you're running that direction, that's your vision. You just observe and then you're ready. You're ready. You, watch, you wait for the rhythm. You, you can hear the, the, the thud on the ground. Maybe the, 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 the teammate will call out to you and say, now. But you just be ready. Are you with me? Are you with me? Now, I don't know how I can illustrate all this to you, but this is the real deal. The things that we observe around us in sports and games and, and all these things are... See, the Bible has so much of allegory with all this because it's the same thing spiritually. That's all. Appraise it spiritually. The lessons that you've learned, appraise it spiritually. Keep your eyes on the, fin on the finishing line. You must, see, if you, if, you, if you turn, another thing that can happen, you can go, you can lose your balance. Your, your neck, if, it, if you swivel your head so much, you can lose your balance. You can fall down. And you see that often in races, people falling down. One of the reasons is because they, they, they change, they, they turn and they look. It can slow you down. Looking back can slow you down. So this is God's instruction to you. Don't look back. Don't forget what lies behind. It can be good. It can be bad. Does not matter. If you're going to go by the strength of yesterday, you're going to be disappointed. If you're, if you're still affected by the failure of yesterday, you're going to get stuck. So don't look back. I forget what lies behind. And I look forward. I press on forward towards the upward call of God. The price of the upward call of God. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Are you with me? And at any given point of your Christian life, you must have the drive to press on toward the goal. For the price of the upward call of God. Keep your eyes on what is at stake. Now we are so distracted by what we have here. But keep your eyes on what is at stake. There's a price to win. There's a crown that awaits you. Your eyes must be on the crown. Your eyes must be on what you have to lay hold of. Get your eyes off other things. Worthless things. I'm telling you, some of the things that you value so much in life does not have any value going on, going further. You'll be surprised. You'll be surprised. It has such finite value. 
but there are things with infinite value for which you must strive and you must lay hold of. I'm telling you, when you get a glimpse of eternity in this manner, you see, everything about your life will change. The way you live your life will change. It will be a different life altogether. Say eternal life. Say imperishable crown. Say unfading crown. Unfading crown of glory. Say crown of righteousness. So don't get sidetracked. Don't get sidetracked. I'm telling you, you take your eyes off that, the devil will come, come to you with a thousand distractions. I mentioned that on for the Bible study. We are doing this series called The Last Days on eschatology. I said, if you take your eyes off biblical prophecy and God's word, the devil will substitute all that with a thousand other distractions. Thousand distractions to fill up your, the void, there's a space that you're given for him. That's why the Bible says, do not even give the devil a foothold. Say foothold. This is one foothold. Don't give that kind of a space. Second Timothy chapter 4 and verse 9. We want to continue on reading from that chapter. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 9. In that same, in that same drive, when he said, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I've kept the faith. He goes on to say, make every effort to come to me soon. He's asking his son, his spiritual son, I want you to take every effort, be diligent to come to me soon. For Damas, said Damas, said Damas. For Damas, having loved the present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens have gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Pick up Mark and bring him with you. For he is useful for service, useful to me for service. But Tychius I've sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak which I left at Troas with Carpus and the books especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did much harm to me. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Be on the guard against him yourself, for he vigorously opposed our teaching. I mean, can you, can you sense the heart of a shepherd here? The heart of a father here? The heart of a father here? And this is what you must understand. When, when ministers of God are, are screaming their lungs to you, this is what they are driving across to you. What they, have, what they have faced in life is, you, know, you cannot even comprehend. Demas, look at Demas, say Demas. Okay, Demas having loved this present world has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Who is Demas? Who is Demas? Demas is mentioned in two other places in the Bible. One in the book of Colossians. Towards the ending of Colossians, there's a greeting. I greet you. Or, or Demas greets you. And then in, again in Philemon, you, you read about Demas. Again, a greeting. Demas, the fellow laborer, is greeting you. So, but to Timothy, Paul says, this Demas who greeted in the book of Colossians, in the letter to Colossians, who greeted to the letter to, the, to Philemon, now that Demas is not with me. He has deserted me. So there is pain. It's a pain. But no bitterness. He has deserted me, but no bitterness. I want to bring your attention to Demas, okay? I want you to picture this man, Demas. Demas, whose greetings Paul found worthy to be included in two epistles. In two epistles, he found his, his greeting worthy of even mentioning has deserted him towards the end of his life and ministry at a very crucial and intense phase that he was going through. When probably Paul need, needed him the most, Paul needed this man the most at this point of his life. But Demas was not to be found. And in fact, Demas is the first name that is mentioned in this list of people who are not with him anymore. But this is the guy who deserted him. Now some scholars put it like this. Some scholars say Demas is Paul's Judas. But Jesus had a Judas. 
who left him, betrayed him. So they say Demas is Paul's Judas, betrayed him. Gone after the world. In fact, this person shows some Judas-like traits in his life. At one point, he was a fellow laborer with Paul, Demas. At one point, he was part of the ministry with Paul. Just as Judas was with Jesus. You all know that Judas was part of Jesus' ministry. So if Jesus were, in, if, the, if the ministry, Jesus and his ministry team were invited to a house, Judas was with them. Because he was one among the, yeah, one among the, the ministers. One among the team. So just as Judas was with Jesus, Demas was with Paul in his ministry. And even as we're considering consistency, say consistency. We're considering consistency. And holding fast and keeping on, we see a contrasting trait in this character by the name Demas. He was not consistent. He was not holding on. He was not keeping. He probably started strong, but he did not finish strong. He got sidetracked. Maybe you look back. He got sidetracked at some point of his ministry or his life. His focus shifted from the excellencies of knowing Christ to what Paul would call as rubbish. Paul said, I count everything as rubbish. I count everything as dung in comparison to the excellencies of knowing Christ. So this Demas, he was knowing Christ, but now he shifted his focus from what is excellent to what is rubbish. Say rubbish. Say rubbish. Say rubbish with disgust. Say rubbish. Having loved the present world. Say present world is rubbish. Ah, feels the pain. You're feeling the, the pinch, right? When you, you can't really say that. Just because pastor is forcing you, you're saying that. The present world is rubbish. The present world is rubbish. You must come to that place of understanding, understanding the world for what it is. The present world in all its glory is rubbish. It's rubbish. It is dung. It is dung. It is filthy. Having loved the present world, Demas deserted Paul. If you love anything of this present world, you can probably desert the call of God over your life. That's the danger of loving this present world. What do you love in this world? What are the things that get your attention in this present world? If you give your attention, if you give your devotion to things of this present world, it can derail you from the call of God. See, I, I want to tell you, I, I keep telling this, especially for focus. You know, this is something that focuses the, the youth meeting that we have where we are, you know, mentoring and raising up young people into ministry. And I keep repeating this. The call of God is nothing fanciful. There's nothing fanciful about the call of God. Truly, there's nothing fanciful about it. Jesus walked... And told the disciples who were catching fish, follow me. Anything fanciful about it? Another person came to Jesus and asked, can I follow you? Jesus said, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. What? No fancy, no fancy. Say no fancy. Say nothing fanciful. The call of God has nothing fanciful. It's not, a, it's not, about, the, it's not about what you see with your eyes. Oh, it's not about what you, you, you hear with your ears. It's not what you comprehend with your brain. It's a spirit thing. It's a spirit thing. The call of God is a spirit thing. You have to hear it in the spirit and you have to respond to it in the spirit. You know, I like the fact that Bible does not clearly specify what exactly caused Demas to leave Paul. We all would want to know that. That spicy element in that one line. Some masala. Huh? That, that's where the rumor mill can start. Now, you know, do you know that, that Demas? He, he left Paul. 
And he was with Paul. You know the same Demas who was mentioned in two letters to Colossia and, and, to, and to Philemon also. He wrote about that, that Demas, fellow worker of Paul. He is not with him anymore. You know what happened? You won't know anything. You won't, you won't know what happened. Paul says what happened. He loved the present world more than the call of God. That's what happened. That's what happened. Now Jesus said, if you put your hand, if you put your hand on the floor, and if you look back, you are not fit for the kingdom of God. You are not fit for service. You are not. I mean, we may not like it. What, 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 what about one more chance? What about, what about a little bit more? See, that is for God to decide. But God says, not fit. Unfit. Unfit. So Paul does not dwell too much on that. He just says, Demas left me having loved the present world. He deserted me. He did not open up a new paragraph on Demas. You know Demas, you know what, how he was? He was behaving so bad with me. No, he did that, he did this. No, just one line. He loved the present world. Period. No further discussion. There's nothing surprising to Paul about Demas and his action. Paul was not shocked by it. Paul was saddened by it for sure, but he was not shocked by it. Just like Jesus was not shocked when Judas betrayed him. Do you know that? Do you think that Jesus was, oh, Judas, how did you do that to me? How could you do that? You were with me all this while. For three and a half years, you walked with me. He was not shocked. Jesus knew. In fact, from the beginning, Jesus knew that this guy is gonna, yeah, the son of perdition. He knew that. Knowing that, Jesus entrusted to him the money bag. That's right. The present world. That's a present world. He was handling the present world. It's a present world. Do not love the present world. You know, for those of you who are at Dr. Pastor Vijay's funeral service, I'm going to I'm, I'm still reflecting on many things that God has been speaking to me over this past two or three weeks. So I'm going to use, with Sharon's permission, of course, she has given me the permission. So I'm going to use, you know, Pastor Vigi and, you know, the things that transpired uh, liberally. I do not know what touched you the most during the funeral service. For those of you who are there, part of the funeral service, for me, the highlight of all those eulogies and those reflections was this. Here lies a man who consistently did what God called him to do for 30 to 40 years, some 40 years. He met the Lord early 80s, started serving the Lord around that time. Some 40 years, somewhere between 30 to 40 years, he consistently did what God has called him to do. From, um, you, you don't know this detail, okay? I, I was spending time with the family and uh, Jahil was telling me, that is Sharon's brother was telling me, from his, his first convert to Christ was there for the funeral. The man he led to Christ for the first time was there for the funeral. So from his first, very first convert to Christ from the early 80s, to the last beneficiaries of his ministry. Amen. We were there. Witnessing a life lived for Jesus. Consistently. Say consistently. Now, sure enough, I want you to know that there may be many. There may have been many. So many people who came and went during the span of those three or four decades. There may be many who deserted him on the way. There will be many who harmed him caused him pain during that journey. There'll be many who would have went after the love of this world, this present world. It would have been painful for him. He would have had many reasons to quit. He would have had many reasons. In fact, if you spend time with, uh, you know, in just talking to the family, you will know. He would have had many, many reasons to quit. He was deported for your kind information. He was doing a, an amazing ministry in Qatar and he was deported from that land for the sake of Christ. And he came back, came into a land of nothing. He could have stopped it then, retired from ministry. Let me put my feet up and just retire. No, he didn't do that. Till the last week, 
to the very last week. In fact, the last hour also he was preparing for ministry. The most important thing for him was to stay consistent and finish the race strong. There can be all kinds of distractions on the way. All kinds of excuses on the way. All kinds of philosophies on the way. All kinds of temptations to love this present world. You can be swayed this direction and that direction. By people who, who wound you, who cause you harm, who cause you pain, who, who speak evil about you. But where are your eyes fixed on? Where is your focus? Are you, have you, are you looking unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith? You must not allow your devotion to Christ to be touched by anything of this world. Nothing of this world, nothing of this present world should touch your devotion to Christ. No love of this world must come in between you and God. No love for anything of this world must stand in the way of you serving God the way he wants you to serve him. You know, I was, um, we were just coming this side and you know, just with your permission, there's one thing that you shared. You know, Sharon was saying, you know, I, had, I got different opinions from people you know, throughout this couple of weeks. But I just made up my mind. I know what's my call in life. I know what's my call in life. I want to stick to that. If you know what's your call in life, you want to stick to that. Not, to, not be swayed by the opinions of man. And that's the example that we must follow. You know, she was raised in a house... Under a man of God, she had her share of growing up, her troubles growing up in a, as a pastor's kid. I know what my kids go through. She endured through all that. His prayers, their prayers came into play. You know, she was, you know, she was restored in the ways God, God wanted it to be restored and all. But she knows, looking at her father and his life, that the most important thing in life is to follow the call of God and nothing else. The most important thing for you is to follow the call of God. Is to please the one who enlisted you for ministry. That's the most important thing. You can do many things ignoring the call of God. You can go different places ignoring the call of God. You can be in the, the best of places doing the best of things. Best, best, best. Loving the present world. But God has called you for something. Stay put. Stay put. Stay put. He came back after an amazing ministry in Qatar. He was deported, came into the land. Guess what? He, 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 he takes up the responsibility of a church. How many people are there? Two people. Two people. Two people. What about all the years of labor? The labor that gone into raising people, that gone into ministering to people, that gone into comforting people and dealing with all the pains of that. And now you are here in the land of nowhere in Tiruvallah. Ministering to two people in church. He had to start afresh. But the call of God is the call of God. You stick to that. You stay with that. You stay put with that. You don't shift. You don't look back. But, 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 but what about in Qatar? But what about the early 80s? What about the 90s? How God used me? No. You press on. You press on. And you come to October 20, 2023 and you're still pressing on. And you're teaching the people cattle and banner. Why? Because he lived that kind of a life. There is so much to learn. There's so much to learn. There's so much to learn. There's so much to gather. If you're open to the spirit, the Lord will teach you. The Lord will teach you. The Lord will change you. So get rid of this distraction. Get rid of this love for the world. This present world will fail. This present world will, will fade away. This present world will melt away. The elementary things will pass away. But one thing remains. What you have in Christ remains. Untouched. Untouched. Uncorrupted. Never fade. And I like, let's just say crown. Just say crown. The Bible does not just say you will get a crown. The, the Bible says you will get an unfading crown. Unfading. Do you know that the gold that you get here will fade? You try keeping it unused for a long time. You will see. It fades. 
then you have to take it for some polishing and all. Some gold will be scraped off to get it back to shimmery shine. But we have a crown that we must keep our eyes on, which will not fade. Which will not fade. Unfading wreath, unfading crown of glory. Where's your focus? Where's your focus? What is the most important thing that you get to do on a day? Tell me what's the most important thing that you get to do on a day. I know I caught you off guard, but say, water comes to your head, say. What is the most important thing that you get to do on a day? Spend time with God, that's right. Can, you live, can anybody else give me another answer? It's, it's right, spending time with God. The most important thing that you get to do on a day is spending time with the one that matters to you the most, absolutely. I want to know your answers. What, Joel, I want to ask you, what's the most important thing that you get to do on a day? Read his word, know him, read his word. Ashwin, tell me, what's the most important thing that you get to do on a day? Meditating on God's word, his heart, understanding his heart. But this must be true. Not just in church when the pastor asks you, but this must be true about your life when nobody's watching. When nobody's watching. You know, one of the, one of the things I was so thrilled to hear was, you know, when, when they said they started off, like, you know, some people, some Arthomites, they came together, just wanted to worship God. They didn't know anything. They just loved God. They just loved God to the, the core. And they loved God, they just came together, worship God, worship God, worship God. One fine day, this man gets baptized in the spirit. The others don't know what's going on. He also doesn't know what's going on. And they just let him be. He's in the spirit, rolling on the floor, doesn't know what's going on. And then the, the fire spreads to other people. He gets up and continues on with what God is doing. The fire spreads to other people. But they kept consistent, say consistent. They kept coming together. They kept coming together. They kept coming together. Every meeting was a meeting of purpose. There was expectancy at every meeting. How do you come to church on a Sunday morning? Is it dispensable to you this morning? You, you know, today's Christians are like this. If I, if I miss it today, maybe you can catch up next week. That's your problem. There are things that you'll miss today. You cannot catch up the following week. You can't. Because these things are spiritual. These things are spiritual. There must be expectancy. There must be that devotion, that simplicity of devotion. Come to Christ. Come together. Worship Him. Worship Him. Today you must feel, you must feel like worshipping to worship. Why? What, I mean, when is worship anything about you? Worship is nothing about you. I, I mean, I, I, I've, I've grown tired of telling this. Worship has nothing to do with you. That's the truth. Worship has nothing to do with you. It is about Him. He deserves worship, so you give it to Him. That's it. Whether you feel like it or not, you have to give it to Him. Why? Because He deserves worship. He, he is worthy of worship. He is worthy of praise. Amen. Whether you're in the mood of worship does not matter, but He's in the mood to receive worship. Always. That's why He created you. You are created for worship. You are created to worship. You are created to pursue Him.